0: To the bloke and the bird show, you know, we almost didn't have a show this week. We're coming to you early because we had to make sure we did something. You know, we didn't record last week because there was just too much going on. And actually, I don't think we finished watching the race until Tuesday. That was kind of painful. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, well, we kind of we we kind of blew it off because last year's race was really dull as dirt. It was uh, arguably the dullest race of the season and and this year not quite so not by a long shot wow was
1: there a lot going on in this year's race are we ready to start talking about this year's race or do we have other stuff to talk
0: about leading into it well i've got some stats and some things like that that i wanted to bring up first so tell me about sochi you know we've got some stuff first coming from the bbc and and their roundup of stats um going into the race last year or, Mm -hmm. or this year rather um Valtteri Bottas had the track record um he does not anymore Sebastian Mm -hmm. Vettel has new and I don't have the time but the previous record was uh one minute 40 seconds 40.896 seconds that since has been beaten I don't know what the new one is um circuit distance is 5.848 kilometers and there are 18 turns Maria Sharapova first played tennis in Sochi where she lived for six years as a child. Okay. Before the Sochi Games, Russian capital Moscow instigated a public health campaign that allowed metro passengers to ride for free after doing 30 squats.
1: Yeah, I knew about that.
0: Sochi sprawls for 90 miles along the Black Sea coast and claims to be the longest city in Europe. Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin had a holiday home in Sochi. I'm sure a lot of the communist party leadership had homes
1: if he did the rest of
0: them did um persian leopards are an endangered species and are being bred at sochi national park and have been visited by of course vladimir putin of course was he wearing a shirt in the picture i have he was
1: oh so rare
0: um, Sochi is a subtropical resort city located on the Black Sea coast and is the warmest location to stage the Winter Olympics. So, one that they had s- no snow.
1: Uh, subtropical? Where did they decide that they were going to get snow in subtropical?
0: Yeah. Now, this is, you know, at this point in the season, it's considered that the European season, it, part, the European part of the season is over and we start the flyaway races. hmm. That being said, and granted, yes, this comes after Japan and, and things like that, but and, and Singapore. But that being said, the distance between Moscow and – oh, I'm sorry, Moscow and Sochi. I was thinking between Silverstone and Sochi. That's where I got it backwards. But the distance between Moscow and Sochi is 1,000 miles, which is equivalent to the distance between Silverstone and Monza. I got confused okay. there. I saw the Silverstone and, and was thinking – there's a thousand miles away so, yeah, yeah no not. that's okay so okay so now we have the williams is anything related to the weight of massa? it is not oh but we do have first of all the track is on the shores of lake baikal or baikal which is the world's deepest lake at 1632 meters and holds 20 percent of the planet's unfrozen freshwater okay Russia's landmass spans nine time zones, which is more than any other country in the world. And a 9,200-kilometer Trans-Siberian Railway crosses eight of them in a 152-hour journey. Okay. Russia is home to the coldest inhabited place on Earth. Oym- yeah, somewhere in Siberia. <laughs> the- the average temperature in winter is negative 50 degrees celsius and the lowest ever recorded in february of 1933 was negative 67.7 degrees celsius
1: wow that's a lot
0: and the but do you
1: really notice it once you get past point uh you know negative 40 degrees celsius i mean at that point is it you're already dead you're yeah (laughs) i mean do you notice anymore
0: um, the Sochi Autodrome is the 13th circuit designed by Herman Tilke to hold a Formula One Grand Prix. Okay. And Russia is bigger than Pluto. The country's surface area is one is seventeen thousand, or excuse me, seventeen million seventy five thousand two hundred kilometers, or, or square kilometers, to the dwarf planet's. Sixteen million six hundred forty seven thousand nine hundred and forty square kilometers.
1: So Russia is a planet?
0: It's well, it's bigger than a planetoid.
1: Uh no, Pluto's a planet again. Dude, Pluto's a oh, planet. Did, did, did again. they
0: make it a planet again? It's a
1: planet again. Okay. I think enough of our generation really argued them. Pluto being a planet. Mm, maybe. It's it's now a planet again.
0: So those are all the stats and everything. I have Wait. a stat. Okay. I have a stat. Okay. Do
1: you know that Sochi is one of three grand prix that are hosted at sites of the Olympics?
0: And what are the three?
1: Sochi. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Montreal. Okay. And are you ready for it? I'm oui. waiting. Barcelona.
0: See, I thought that the Circuit de Cataluna was built before the Barcelona. Olympics
1: i don't know i had to google it okay but that is that is pretty
0: cool i don't
1: know if the stat was that because we heard i heard this on the bbc that it was one of the three that they're at the same spot so maybe the olympics were around barcelona but the circuit and the olympics they're close to each other
0: now there has been talk over the last several years of trying to find a way to bring a race of some sort to the London Olympic Park. Yes. Um,
1: that was a. I, I had to filter through a lot of that in my Google search. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> because that started about 2012, talking about using the Olympic Park from London as a race location.
0: I, I know that there's a push to possibly move the Formula E race away from Battersea and over there.
1: Mm-hmm. So, I mean... The thing is, Formula E really lends itself to more of the street racing,
0: street racing and in the inner city bit because there's not as much noise to annoy people.
1: Well, there's not enough noise, and yeah, it helps.
0: So, I, I'm I'm getting a message here that I just I need to share. I, this just came in. Keep
2: pushing, keep pushing. You're doing an awesome job. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
1: We don't have to go to strap mode three and put the hammer down or anything. No, we, we we
0: we're we're good. Okay, we're, we're as long as awesome our race. You, you heard it from the race from Carlos's race engineer. We're doing an awesome job.
1: Okay, so can we talk about Carlos for a minute?
0: Oh, wow, <laughs>
1: what a guy! Um, first and foremost, if you were under an F1 rock, you obviously are just now hearing that during free practice three, Carlos Sainz successfully drove his car under one of the armco
0: barriers yeah i was i want to say it was around turn 17 13 turn 13 lucky 13 Um, he it's the theory is that he made a change to the brake balance going into the turn um hit the wall and and this is gary anderson talked about this he is livid over this oh because he believes the issue isn't so much a failure of the barrier as it is a failure in the design of the cars.
1: Oh, really? Do yes. tell.
0: He argues that the, the low nose design of the cars that was introduced with this current generation is what is the problem. It allows these cars to submarine under the barriers because what happened was he hit the wall, broke the front suspension, and once he broke the front suspension, essentially that nose was running on the pavement. Correct. Which Eddie meant, Jordan said the same thing. Right, which meant at that point it hits the 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 barrier or it hits the armco and becomes a wedge mm-hmm. and submarines the car underneath. Now, if they still had the higher noses from the 2012 and 2013 season, the car would would still be sitting on the ground, but there would be that higher nose to act as a deflection and keep that the the, the uh the armco from or the tech pro rather from flying up over his head and submarining underneath it. So he argues that they need to seriously reconsider this design of these lower noses. The whole idea was to prevent. um, I think it was twenty ten in Valencia. Yeah, Valencia. Um, There's a really spectacular crash that involved Mark Webber. He rear-ended another car and went airborne and flipped the car.
1: Well, and that's the
0: idea: is by going to these lower noses, supposedly that's not supposed to happen.
1: Well, see, and this is what's happening, is the regulation is trying to prevent one thing and inadvertently causes something else. I mean, Eddie Jordan talked about, at some point, no matter what you do, when you break something and you put the car all the way on the ground, Mm -hmm. you're going to create a wedge. There's no way that they're going to put something underneath that's going to keep the wedge from happening. And that's that's part of the sort of the design of these things. Um, Anyway... A long story short, Carlos, car is in pieces, but a testament to the absolute safety that has been put in this car, these cars in this generation of Formula One and in all of the generations post Senna's Senna's last death. Well, his only death, but yeah. his last, the, the last death of, of, of Senna on the track. And then if you look further back, all I mean, had something like that happened at half the scale, In the late 60s, early 70s, we would have had a death. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is phenomenal. This was
0: a 46G impact. I mean, it was
1: huge. Um, He he did submarine underneath the barriers, which meant that he was under the barrier completely. So, in all of the time, the team couldn't communicate with him because the wires that connected him to the radio system were cut. Yep. Um, but the marshalling system and all of them, they had to come and pick up the barriers off of him before he could even get out of the car. So, I mean, thankfully we didn't start a fire because he would have had a, he would have had a big problem on his hands if there was a fire.
0: There was nowhere for him to go.
1: Right. Um, he was taken to hospital, um, thumbs up and getting into the ambulance, (laughs) uh swe- tweeted the whole time that he was okay and it
0: sounds like he was conscious the entire
1: and, time. and they, yes they kept telling us he was conscious he was conscious i think they were very concerned that we were going to have another um concern over like alonzo's crash um but it was always that he was conscious he was in great spirits he was um He was tweeting – he tweeted pictures of himself in his hospital gown.
0: Well, he apparently – one of the things that that he pushed for and got while they were checking him out was to get a TV brought into the room so that he could watch the qualifying.
1: Aw. But he – and he seemed to make a lot of friends within the – in the hospital. Yeah. So – and –
0: you know, these these kind of things, they affect the the pit. They affect all the drivers. And Carlos and Fernando being countrymen. Mm-hmm. And, and apparently, Carlos grew up, you know, the, the two big drivers he watched was his dad and apparently Fernando. Right. So the fact that he gets to race one of his heroes is a big deal. Well, one of the things that, that you know, they were talking to Fernando um, – Post qualifier about the situation and, and Alonzo shared this little story.
1: He, the manager text us before the qualifying saying that Carlos wants to have dinner tonight uh, with us and uh, we said okay the table will be will be ready and uh, if you manage to, to arrive tonight it's okay if not uh, we postpone for tomorrow the important thing is that Carlos is okay
2: and uh, hopefully we see him tomorrow here on the track.
1: <laughs> yeah he he and I think he pushed the doctors really hard to get out of he got out of the hospital saturday night. Yeah. Um and then uh sunday morning was cleared
0: to race. And y- while he had a really good showing on the track while the car worked. I know. It was <laughs> He didn't, it didn't end well. He
1: didn't finish.
0: <laughs> he had a brake failure. Um he tried. He fought to get that that sucker home, but uh yeah. He would have finished in the points too, which considering, you know, he started know, at, the, started back the, at the back, to come up as far as he did was pretty impressive.
1: Truly, he is a brilliant driver. Mhm. He really is a brilliant driver. And you know, it's things like this that pull people to the forefront and you forget when he's in the shadow of the story of his team. I mean, the story in his team is the youngest F1 driver, Max Verstappen. And you, you don't hear much about Carlos. He's kind of the shadow. Yeah. I mean, other than, you know, I think that they carpool until Max got his driver's license. Um, but you don't hear much about him. And he's a really good, good driver. And he came from the back of the field. He was in the points. He was fighting up at 6th, 7th for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have a brake failure that pulled him out of the race, that was, it was it would have been such a story for him to have had that kind of massive crash, not participate in qualifying, and come back and win points, and for that to happen, I just I hurt for him. I really hurt for him.
0: Yeah, you know, overall, this was a surprisingly event-strewn race um, between Nico Hulkenberg going out at at the first corner for just third
1: corner, turn three.
0: No, it was not at turn three. There was Grosjean who went out at turn three. It was the first corner that Hulkenberg went out. Um, didn't make it through the fr- He just oddly drifted and spun around and collected Marcus Ericsson and um, hit Max for stopping as, okay. as part of that whole spin. That was the first safety car. Mm-hmm. Grosjean was in turn three behind button, was another one that, that – the thought is possibly some dirty air lost his downforce and spun off and became a passenger <laughs> i mean it's, really that's that's all you are as a passenger at that point there there was no recovering that now at that point we did see the arm or, or the tech pro rather do exactly what it was supposed to and then get repaired with duct tape because duct tape fix, fixes everything
1: nothing is ever truly broken it merely lacks duct tape
0: you know we jumped into talking about the race, and we didn't talk about an important lesson that we learned on the grid walk. Oh, that I've got to roll back to. Okay,
1: rewinding to the grid walk.
0: We learned. This was for for those of you who did not get to see the BBC. In the BBC, um, David Kothard does the pre-race grid walk just about every single time, and it is live, and it is unscripted Unscrypted. and. Sometimes it's outstanding, and in other times it is absolutely bizarre or painful. Yeah, I mean,
1: we've witnessed the tender ad between him and Jensen, <laughs> and you know you almost guarantee that he'll talk. He's really great friends with JB, and so you almost guarantee that he'll sit and talk to to Jensen. You know, you get the the highlights. He, he'll wait to talk to somebody while they're talking. I mean, they talk to all of the different people. I'm stunned that they allow the press to do that kind of thing when they're trying to prep for the race formula
0: that's one of the things that formula one realizes is that kind of access and that kind of coverage is important to the engagement and to the the image that the sport gives out um really huge
1: oh yeah so what happened to dc on the gridwalk
0: the, the first thing that we learned on the gridwalk is apparently you should never ever snub David Cothard on the grid
1: oh what happens
0: especially if apparently you are McLaren this would be um, David Cothard trying to get some comments from uh, McLaren's Eric Boullier just prior to the start
2: so maybe we'll just give the last few seconds here to Eric Boullier if we may Eric small uh, words no okay well they've been doing so much winning this year they don't need the publicity so we'll let eric uh, make his way to the front of the grid and the last thing you want to do is get any airtime for your sponsors
0: (laughs) ouch (laughs) so if david cothard had a good relationship with mclaren i think that's gone
1: (laughs) 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 i have to say was it in the forum after the race that susie perry just looked at dc and goes what was up with that grid walk?
0: Well, you know, it got more bizarre because even though he had about 30 seconds left, he still tried to get somebody else. And he, lo and behold, in the distance, he spots the ever chatty Toto wolf.
2: Okay, well, look, I'm just going to give the last five seconds. We've got 30 seconds to the national anthem. Toto, you're looking chilled, excited for the race. You haven't touched my sweaty hands. They are a little bit sweaty, actually, aren't they? Okay. Well, there, that was a wonderful experience. Thanks for that. Have a great race this afternoon. And the
0: other thing that you miss in hearing this is that after he shook Toto's hand and commented that they are a little sweaty, he then went and sniffed his hand. Ew.
1: Ew. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> um, bizarre is exactly the word for the walk this week. You know, Cothard explained when Susie was like, what was up with that gridwalk um cothard explains that it's so unscripted they have no preset interviews with anybody nobody has agreed to talk to them at certain times it's catch them as you can though they say things off the cuff and he goes and truly if nobody's willing to talk to him He's got to fill the time. Yeah,
0: he's got to find so, something. And sometimes he gets dragged off the grid. And he did that time. Yeah. Um, got dragged off the grid by Nico Hockenberg. And, I mean, it was a good talk, but took him really far off.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and they're going off for what DC calls comfort breaks yes. and things things like that. But he'll get dragged off the grid. And then he's got to go running back onto the grid to, to get the next thing. And he's working. At the same time, he's trying to be coherent and informative yeah and ask questions and spot all these people he's also trying to deal with this cameraman and keep up with them i mean there's been a couple of times where he's walked off in one direction and he turns around his cameraman's nowhere to be found
0: you know it happened this time he left his cameraman up with the drivers and he was back in the grid in the middle of the grid yeah (laughs) so
1: i mean it happens but when it does it's spectacularly funny
0: the, the other thing I should mention, um, and we should have talked about it earlier, is the, the cold open that the BBC did for this week or, or for, for last week's race was fantastic. Uh, if you have not seen it, go check out our Facebook page. We've got it shared up there. It's definitely worth a watch.
1: Oh, yeah. It, it does help if you know your Russian novels, though.
0: A little. Not too much. Anyway. So anyway, back to the race. Safety car number two was Roman Grosjean, and his passenger Dance. ride into it, it was a fairly spectacular crash.
1: It really um, was, but he kept it off the off the whole racetrack. Well,
0: he didn't keep it anywhere. Like like he was a passenger. he was a passenger. He had no control whatsoever. The bigger thing was that the the, the tech pro. Uh, absorbed enough of the impact that the car did not slingshot back out onto the track, as you were saying. Um, he walked away from the, the incident. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I was just seeing the crash broke his car's seat. Wow. Now, I haven't gotten word as, as to the how strong that impact was, but it was a fairly spectacular crash. It was. Um, Nico Rosberg was leading the race, had pole, his one and only last chance gasp to do something and once again is stuck with a broken bit in his car,
1: yes, apparently a spring broke in the throttle pedal. and um so he couldn't release uh, release the throttle, I think was his problem,
0: yeah, basically, it was constantly putting pressure. If the accelerator was jammed down, is, is, basically is what was going out. on. He was initially told that, you know, when you hit the brake, it'll cut off. The problem was that was his only way to slow down. There was no coasting. There was nothing else. Yeah. And, yeah, that's not a good feeling.
1: No, and as he said, it it became unsafe. And what was really <clears throat> happening was if you have to apply brakes to cut your throttle, you're not getting the benefit of... There's a period of you know there's there's that changeover yeah that's happening as you lift one foot and put the other foot on the on the other thing and he's not getting that benefit. And so he couldn't he couldn't make the corners happen the way they were supposed to be happening. He couldn't keep pace. Lewis passed him like he was standing still at. That point, and he pulled into the pits on that lap.
0: Well, w- when Lewis passed him, he had gone off the track, and I assume that he had gone off the track because he was struggling to control the car, mm-hmm. um, you know, to hit the right entry speed to take that turn properly. Went off the track because of it. That's when Lewis passed him, and but something else broke because he essentially coasted into the pit box. Um, it was stuck for a while and then he just got slower and slower and slower and it didn't look like he was going to make it into the pit box.
1: Well, he didn't actually, he made it as far enough that the mechanics, they, they, he got it to the point where the mechanics could come and get him. Yeah. But I don't know. And I don't have an answer to this one. How much of that was that he didn't want to put his foot back on the throttle because he couldn't take it back off.
0: Yeah.
1: Or, you know, what the, the, the mechanic pieces of this were, but he wound up with a throttle problem toto was interviewed afterwards regarding what happened he mentioned that it was a penny part it was a tiny little spring that broke he says it's these things should not happen it's it it's happening
0: way too much for
1: it's, them it is and truly was it eddie or dc that mentioned that ever since they went to that engine upgrade they've had reliability issues they were sp- Spotless on reliability at the beginning yeah. part of this year they upgraded their engine and now they're hitting problems it's opening the door but it's also and I hate to say it this way it's making for a bit of more excitement because it looked like by race three that we were going to have a runaway again
0: it is uh, the, the problem I have you know it would be one thing if this was an issue where they went to a new engine and it blew up or you know mm-hmm. there was some failure related to the engine but the the three failures that we've seen that are truly in the cars since they have gone to this new engine have been stupid stuff. Yeah. Lewis's problem was a clip that broke. Nico's problem that he just had was a spring that broke. I mean that's stuff that that's really not related to the new engine. That that's just general housekeeping and maintenance stuff that they should should be on top of and should be handling. You know, Nico ran into the same problem in Singapore last year, that y- there was a coating on the steering column that le- that leaked into the wiring harness that took his car out. Yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me if that's what took him out of Abu Dhabi as well last year.
1: Well, and I think that— Or well, something
0: like that, I should say.
1: What I want to believe, that based on absolutely nothing— hmm. Is that they are so focused on getting that engine, the new engine, up, and they freaked out when they didn't have the power in Singapore. Mm-hmm. They've been focused on that that they're letting some things that they shouldn't let slide. That's my theory. That you know, and I also but have they a are German. T- they are German. They're all their parts should work perfectly. Yes, um, and I'm willing to bet that there's somebody in Brixton or Broxley that is uh, lost his job. Speaking of which, okay, if you are a mechanic and you have no ties whatsoever to anything and really good and would like to go be a mechanic for a Formula One season, 21 races next year means that they're having trouble <laughs> on the teams to get mechanics to show up. Now, I might suggest that you need to be able to change tires under two seconds. You need to be able to do all of the magical things that mechanics in F1 do. But I would suggest that you start applying if you've got nothing <laughs> better to do next year.
0: Okay, we'll talk a little more about that. We've got some comments from Bernie coming later on that.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to help the, the, the job rates around here. I would have nominated you to go, but you have no mechanical abilities whatsoever.
0: That is not true. What could you do? you I could have, operate the lollipop i have mended things before and truly <laughs> I don't in know. terms of mechanic it's not mechanical skill that i think a lot of these mechanics in order to at least work on the pit crew mm-hmm. and, you know during the race that's not mechanical skill that's strength and agility that's not mechanical.
1: But the people that are I mean, on the pit crew are of mechan- also the mechanics, aren't well, they? Well,
0: yes, but but in terms of mechanics, mechanical skill, you don't need a lot of mechanical skill to take said gun, ram it into the socket, pull out the 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 thing, in it, and then get the heck out of the way. That's speed and agility. And for the guys who got to carry around the tires, that's strength too.
1: <laughs> okay, so that eliminates you from changing tires. I'm I'm going with Lollipop Man. I think you might be able to be a lollipop guy.
0: Uh, no, I, I think my job would be the one who picks up the monitor off their car and, and pulls <laughs> that out of the way. You think that's your job? Yeah. Because you
1: have your IT background? Yeah, that's okay. it.
0: That's 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 what it is. Anyway, moving on through the race, because...
1: it could be a Jackman.
0: It, no, you heard what happened to Steve Matchett. <laughs> Those of you who don't know what happened to Steve Matchett, um, he was for... One year, the rear jackman at Benetton, and the jack got locked in place on, a, I think it was Schumacher's car, and took off while he was still holding on to the jack. Um, yeah.
1: Well, that's just because he didn't think fast enough to let it
0: go. Well, he didn't know that it was still locked in and was going to take off. But anyway. Okay. So things started to settle down, but it was looking really promising for a while for... Um, Valtteri Bottas, he, you know, he, he qualified in third, he was, yeah, when he changed his tires, he got stuck and he was, he was fighting his way through traffic and, and didn't have as much of a battle as, oh, the Ferraris did, making his way through, but it was looking really good as we got down towards the end, S- uh, Sergio Perez in the Force India, um, who
1: had been in third for a long time. He'd been
0: in third for a while, and he's also, he's got this reputation of really being able to look after his tires and had gone really, really far on those tires. 40 laps. Yeah. Um,
1: And a 43-lap race.
0: 53.
1: 53. (laughs) He's changed them at the second safety car. Yes. 13.
0: Um, His tires, Perez's tires started to go off at, at the very end of it. Last lap. Botas makes a great pass on him.
1: Followed right by Raikkonen. Raikkonen, on- who
0: took advantage of it. And, and it was a good move. by it, it was an inspired move by Kimi to do that, which then left Kimi and Valtteri fighting for position, at which point Kimi got desperate. It's, it's the yeah. only way to describe it. Yeah. Kimi got desperate on the last lap and made a dive bomb move on the inside corner that truly he did not have. Right. Valtteri, not knowing that he was there, took the racing line because he was ahead, and they collided, which took Valtteri completely out of the race instead of his podium.
1: Dropped dropped uh, Kimi down to fifth.
0: Correct. And allowed Perez to get back up into third and give Force India only their third ever podium. Right. As, I mean, a, a huge moment for them. Um, and if they can pull something like that off in Mexico, look out. Look out.
1: Oh, yeah. Putting Sergio on a podium in Mexico. I don't care if Lewis wins the world's championship, that podium, he will not be heard. Yeah. It, it just won't happen. Um, interestingly enough, in that little exchange, mm-hmm. the one thing that you didn't hear a whole lot about was Kimmy dropped back to fifth.
0: Massa comes up. Yeah, Masa, who had a horrible qualifying.
1: Career. Oh, he had, had really struggled in qualifying. He actually they got he got sent out in traffic and so his flying lap was in traffic and that was why he qualified so poorly. He came from 15th on the grid to finish in 4th.
0: Yeah, it was it was a really good drive for him.
1: Yeah. That was you got to give great props to my my buddy Massa.
0: The McLarens double points points. double points
1: okay so they were ninth and tenth but still
0: it was still it was considering you didn't really have high hopes for them on this track yeah it's pretty big oh yeah
1: and uh our our friends down at the back of the grid roberto mary didn't he uh, finish in front of will stevens
0: i believe he did
1: I know he doesn't have very many races left, so I think it's important to call him out.
0: Well, you know, he had to run because uh Rossi basically clinched GP2.
1: Oh. Uh.
0: He won the weekend. Mm. Um I don't know if he completely won the series or if that was Whelan who won the series because Whalen has also been doing really well. But I my understanding is that Rossi won the race that the GP2 race that weekend. Wow. And there is, back to Kimi, no shortage of controversy here. And ultimately what happened was by Kimi, get, Kimi got a 30-second th- penalty as a result of this, which dropped him back into eighth place. Correct. By doing so, that handed Mercedes the constructor's title.
1: Well, going into now, so Basically, cheap-
0: it, it just prevented it from postponing the inevitable
1: i mean going into sochi they had to score three more points than ferrari that's yeah. all they had to do
0: yeah now it looked pretty dire once uh nico dropped out
2: mm-hmm.
0: um because kimmy had been doing so well kimmy had been looking really good this weekend yeah um the, the question i have Knowing all of the permutations that were going on and what we have seen in the past. And I honestly, I don't care about Kimmy turning around and saying, Well, I tried this move before and it worked just fine. And, you know, they didn't give me this penalty or they didn't do a penalty for a similar move in Monaco, blah, blah. No. The, the question I have is so many times that we've seen these penalties get applied, especially at this point in a race, and the penalty that has been applied isn't a time penalty but a grid penalty on the next race.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Given what the point situation was, you've got to wonder about why the decision was made not to give him the grid penalty, but to give him the time penalty instead. And was it truly to turn around and do this?
1: Okay, the conspiracy theorist inside me
0: mm-hmm.
1: is going to tell you that I think they wanted the championship locked up. In Russia. Um, It had been locked up in Russia last year. I think Putin wanted it locked in Russia.
0: Yeah. The most uncomfortable driver's room (laughs) thing ever. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) Holy cow.
1: Um, But I think Putin wanted it wrapped up. I think that this was an opportunity. Because originally they were speculating that he might see a 20-second penalty. Which Mm. wouldn't have changed the driver's.
2: the, the the instructors
1: championship but a 30 second it was like it was anything over 20 seconds was going to to move the needle but so the 30 seconds i think it was done i think it was honestly done to basically overshadow the situation by being able to change the conversation you
0: know it may have been why it took so long to come to that decision too
1: it could be um it could be um the other thing is the stewards and the stewards have the power to apply various different penalties, and they're different stewards for every track. Yes. So it's not like this is a, a body. Yes, they all report to Charlie Whiting, but Charlie doesn't decide what the penalties are going to be.
0: It depends. I think he does for the technical stuff.
1: Maybe for some of it, but those types of things he may determine that it was not a racing incident but the penalties themselves are applied by the stewards and they it's their choice as to how they they do that um i think it i think it's not it's not impossible to believe that there was some negotiation to make it a better option and to do it this way now on toto wolf's side by the way mm mm-hmm. Um, it took them so long to make this decision they had already packed up the world championship t-shirts
0: my understanding not only did they pack up the world championship t-shirts but i heard a rumor that both toto and nikki lauda had left the track completely
1: i wouldn't be surprised because <laughs> um, they were all they the original plan had been that they would head back to um the uk to celebrate with the the people back home and all this kind of stuff and even lewis was like well i guess that's off so he i think they were starting to make plans to go back to their respective places yeah homes but um toto said in a later interview that nothing made him happier than to have to go into the truck and unpack the (laughs) t-shirts All I can think of is the mental image. Because, you know, we've moved a lot. That mental image of looking at the back of the 18-wheeler and going, oh, Crap. It's all the way in the... F- Why did you pack the t-shirts all the way in the front of the truck?
0: And couldn't you turn the box so that the label was on the outside? Yes.
1: Do we have to open 10 boxes to find the t-shirts?
0: Um Mercedes did do a cute little video Mm -hmm. to celebrate their second uh, win of the Constructors title. Uh, We've also shared that as well. Check that out on our Facebook page.
1: Apparently, we also shared the 2014 win also.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize they put up a a throwback Thursday post of the 2014 video. But that's there too. You can check that out. (laughs) You can compare them.
1: (laughs) Um, Okay, so how about our Drivers' Championship? How are we standing with that?
0: Well, Sebastian Vettel has moved up into second.
1: Yes, he has
0: now because of Nico now falling out. Originally, if Nico had finished this race in second or better, Lewis would have had a cha- wouldn't have been able to clinch the driver's championship until Mexico City. Mm-hmm. However, now that Nico has dropped out, Lewis can clinch that championship in Texas. All he needs to do, from my understanding, is get. Eight more points than Vettel. So, in other words, if Vettel finishes second and Lewis wins, the championship goes to Mexico City. But if Vettel does not finish second and Lewis can't get more than three points more than Nico, or if he needs three points more than Nico and eight points more than Vettel, he will clinch it in Texas. That's where I was going with that.
1: Okay, to make it a whole lot easier. Okay. Absolute world
0: championship win would be... Lewis has to win, and and Vettel has to be second.
1: No. Lewis wins, Nico second, Vettel third. That's the combination. Vettel in second, it goes to Mexico.
0: Okay. Yeah, that works. (laughs) (laughs) Math is hard.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it has to be a Mercedes 1-2. Or... It, it, and I think that's the highest that Vettel and Rosberg can finish. So, I mean, Vettel can drop out, and Lewis is the winner. mm mm-hmm. um, But Vettel cannot finish higher than third. Rosberg could be second, and Rosberg becomes a non-entity at that
0: point. Rosberg has to win.
1: Yeah. In order for it to go forward, Vettel can't be higher than third, and Rosberg has to win. Yeah. So, oh, 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 we have one more thing we have to talk about. Okay. We have to talk about the hats.
0: (laughs) Okay. Vettel wasn't really impressed by the hats, but Lewis
1: was. Yes, Lewis dug the hat. Okay, so when Austin was a brand-spanking-new race, Pirelli's hats for the first, second, and third drivers were Stetsons. They were cowboy hats. Yep. Um, Black Stetsons. Beautiful, beautiful hats. Um. Every other race on the calendar, they're ball caps.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was, I think, one of the first times we saw a different hat.
0: It may be. And, and, you know, it's not unusual for the drivers after the podium ceremony is finished and the champagne is out for them to take the hats and fling them into the crowd. Right. Didn't happen this time. <laughs>
1: well, Putin was there. I think he had words. Putin apparently got shot with
0: champagne by Lewis. Yes, got he him did. Got him in the back.
1: Yes, he did. And was then escorted promptly escorted away. <laughs> from the champagne ceremony. um, Now, last year in Sochi, there were regular ball caps. Yes. This year, and I think that Putin did not want to be outdone by the Stetsons, because it was one thing when it was the Stetsons the first year, but the fact that they had the Stetsons again last no, year. they didn't. Yeah,
0: they did. No, the only one who had a Stetson was Mario Andretti on the, on the pit interview, um, or, or on the uh, podium interview. But the drivers had ball caps.
1: No, I think that Yes, they've...
0: I'm positive. I am positive.
1: I think I think the Pirelli hats, because Lewis even referenced it.
0: Well, we can get our crack research team on get, this, get and political it'll facts, be f- the forgotten. Fact finding. But I am telling you that that was the first year they had it, not the second.
1: The first year they had the, the Stetsons, I know for a fact. Right,
0: the second year they didn't.
1: Well, double-check that
0: yeah okay
1: i'll I'll accept the apology later
0: yeah
1: um so apparently sochi did ball caps last year this year they had the little russian fur hats there's a magic name for them that i don't know what that what it is however was it vettel that complained that sochi is actually a very nice warm climate it's subtropical yeah and he says it, those hats make it look like it's very cold here it's not good for tourism
0: okay so i am looking at the formula one united states grand prix pictures with lewis hamilton nico rosberg and daniel ricardo and they are clearly wearing pirelli ball caps pirelli ball caps so what was that about an apology you
1: have to apologize. The,
0: the <laughs> only ball cap was being worn by Mario Andretti, which Lewis took from him. Or excuse me, the only cowboy hat was being worn by Mario Andretti, which Lewis took from him.
1: It was a Pirelli cowboy
0: hat. Uh, no, I don't believe it was. It but, had I'm a badge at, on it.
1: It had the Pirelli
0: no, it badge had a, on it. No, it had an actual badge on it.
1: Oh, well, What was the one with the guy with the Pirelli
0: one? That was last year. That was 2013. The other hat that you're looking at is um, Valteri Bottas wearing a Williams Martini Racing blue cowboy hat, <laughs> talking to Mario Andretti in his black hat with the badge. Okay. So, anyway. All right. Moving on. Now that we've cleared up Hatgate. Some of the other news that has happened over the last two weeks or so. Okay. Some of it happened during it. Some of it happened before. One of the things, you know, the tires have been a concern, and the debris, and and certainly after the incidents this week, this has been a concern, the amount of debris that is on the track. And Pirelli and F1 are looking at um, a track cleaning device. Because, you know, right now, when there's an incident, the marshals come running out with the brooms, as we saw many times, dodging cars and all of that stuff. And, you know, speaking of dodging cars, there was this moment— And, and granted, the, the track cleaning device would not have helped. <laughs> but there was this moment.
2: Oh, it's clear, but we got a very brave Russian running across the track.
0: As one of the marshals, without a safety car, without, I don't even think there were yellow flags up, <laughs> ran out onto the track to go recover the uh, wing that flew off Carlos Sainz's car after his brakes failed. Yes. <laughs> that was just crazy.
1: He had a beautiful dance. I think he had two complete spins after his brakes
0: failed. Yeah.
1: But yeah, no, he was... Vettel was right. We have a very brave Russian.
0: Yeah. So basically what they're looking at is a truck with big blowers on it, which is apparently what NASCAR does. Hmm. Is It's got a big blower, and it drives around, and it just blows all the crap off the track. Oh. The thing you got to... You know, and we wouldn't have thought of this if it hadn't happened this past weekend. Obviously, they need to make sure that the trucks have really good, strong diesel tanks. Because oh. it was a track cleaning truck on thir- or on Friday that had a diesel fuel leak that spilled diesel across the track and curtailed the uh, Free Practice 1 t- uh, running.
1: That was... Yeah, free practice one was the diesel truck, free practice practice two two was was rain, rain. and free practice three was Saints in a wall.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of Pirelli. Yes. And this happened live on the air pre-race.
1: Yeah, BBC got an exclusive.
0: Bernie Eccleston shaking the hand of the president of Pirelli and saying that the deal is signed. Pirelli has the contract to supply three more years of tires.
1: Yes, it's a done deal. Can we talk? Start stop talking about it now. Probably. Yay! All right. What about well? We're, we'll
0: talk about it as they argue about um, you know, deg. construction and high deg and all of that stuff.
1: All right. Does that mean that we're getting close to solving the problems on all things engine?
0: No, actually, I think that whole situation is more confusing than ever now.
1: I'm gonna have to start getting a scoreboard because I'm not keeping track anymore.
0: Well. The, the strategy groups met this past week mm-hmm. and discussed a variety of engine rules for the next couple of years. Um, one of the things that we, – I've heard three different stories at this point, and I think they finally settled on one. But it had sounded like – well, among other things, for starters, before we get to the engines, I guess the way the rules are written – there were you can only have 20 races in a season. So they had to vote on and approve unanimously to have 21 next season. All right. It was expected that that was going to pass without a problem because, of course, more races, more money for the teams. So that was that went through, and that, that was a non-issue. On the engine front, th- the proposal that was put forth was to prevent um, the constructors from supplying previous year engines to teams. Hmm, Now I like that idea. Yeah, that way I think the previous year engine idea is is stupid. Um, To be clear, uh, we've gotten confirmation that the engines that Mercedes is supplying to uh, Manor Marussia next year will be current year engines, right? Just like every other team that they supply to, as opposed to what Ferrari did this year with Manor Marussia. Yes, only Manor Marussia, by the way.
1: Oh, I didn't know it was just Manner. Yeah,
0: only Manner got the 2014 engine. Everybody else got the current engine, but they got older firmware, which is normal. Mm-hmm. So, but it, what it sounds is that the proposal that actually went up to the World Motorsport Council and, and all the other folks who approved this after the teams come up with this ridiculous construct is that... The, there was supposed to be a drop in the number of development tokens next year. Mm-hmm. That will not happen. So teams will get the same number of tokens that, they, that were apportioned this year. But also, just like this year, in-season development will be allowed. Oh, good. originally it was supposed to be you had to have the designs finalized by the end of february at which point everything was frozen there will not be an engine freeze next year okay. hopefully this means that Renault will actually use some of their damn engine development tokens because they haven't used them yet
1: i know i don't understand what they're holding off on here
0: but that's good news for all of the teams oh yeah uh, also there will be provisions should another constructor come in Provisions will be made for them so that they don't get screwed on a token front either. Nice. Speaking of, well, do we want to get to Bernie news or do we want to get to engine news?
1: Let's finish engines.
0: Okay, finish engines. There's obviously right now Red Bull still does not have an engine supplier. This is really getting critical at this point. Oh, yeah. So, first. I think before we get into what has been discussed for at, at Russia, we need a quick reminder of what Christian Horner had to say over their situation in Singapore. Because yes. we need to compare and contrast here. So first, let, let's hear what Christian Horner had to
2: say to Sky. So you may still use Renaults next year? Unlikely. So what will you use? Uh, probably either a Ferrari... Or nothing. I mean, it really is as simple as that. It's, it's a Ferrari engine or, or, you know, at the moment Mercedes won't supply. And there's no other option. So it really is Ferrari or nothing.
1: Wow. Now He's pretty adamant about that.
2: Yeah. Now, we do know that
0: going into Russia, um, Red Bull had a meeting with Bernie. Mm-hmm. The, this is the, the word that has come out of that.
2: I know you had a meeting this morning with Bernie. Uh, could you um, put any, give us any information about what happened there? Well, the great thing is he, he says everything's sorted. The only problem is he hasn't told us what's sorted. So, um, so, so yeah, um, I'm a little in the dark as to, to what that solution may be. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, if Bernie says it's sorted, you just have to accept that it's sorted. You don't need to know how.
0: So this is the line that Bernie has been sticking to because right. he's gone out to the press and they've asked him what's happening and all he will say is it's sorted again Bernie says it's sorted its he, sorted he will say nothing else so but we've got some more some more comments from Christian regarding the situation and where things are and where things stand uh first you know some word from from Eddie Jordan some questions from Eddie Jordan
2: on this okay did the Renault word get mentioned or too many bridges have been burned? Look, You know, we, we've enjoyed obviously a, a long relationship with Renault, nine years. We've had some good years, we've had some tough years, and the last couple of years have been tough. And, you know, we've pushed Renault um, because we're hungry, you know, for success. And, and sometimes it's got uncomfortable. Um, you know, at this point in time, everything is open. Is it likely we'll be with Renault? Difficult to see that that would be the case, but as we know in Formula One, nothing is nothing is impossible. So, you know, we've just got to be open-minded and come up with the best solution for the team.
0: Now, I, I should also call out that they were standing in front of the Red Bull garage, and apparently this weekend, Red Bull was playing some of the worst music ever. Truly, it was even worse at the end of the race. Oh, it was awful. <laughs> And and that's what you hear thumping in the background there as as Christian's talking.
1: Whoever's iPod they were using needs to be crushed under a tire.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, that was the first answer that that Christian had on this. They weren't done with him. And Susie Perry pushed a bit more on this.
2: Can I just quickly clarify the situation that you're in there with the doors that are sort of closing and and still open? Is the case for Red Bull today as we stand here either to go back to Renault or— to let Toro Rosso have a Ferrari engine and and Red Bull would be out of Formula One. Is that the scenario? Is it as bleak as that? First of all, Red Bull and Toro Rosso, they're, they're common ownership and the decision ultimately is Dietrich's. And if one goes, both go. You know, so that's more than 1,200, you know, jobs that, that, that are being employed through Formula One. The objective is to find a solution for both teams. And, you know, what that solution is at the moment you know, it cha- it changes almost by the hour, um, but uh, you know, I'm hopeful that a, a conclusion can be reached. You know, certainly within the next two to three weeks. We hope so too. Thanks very much for your time. That
0: doesn't really sound like it's Ferrari or nothing.
1: I know we're definitely feeling some backpedaling on the Horner side.
0: Yeah. Now, a little later on in the session, and and this all happened. Um, before qualifying, mm-hmm. um, a little later on around Q two, Eddie Jordan and Susie Perry were talking about it, and you know Eddie called him out also. And and I, I got to play this because I need to set this up. Some comments that Christian had a little later on. Okay, so here we have what what Eddie Jordan had to say.
2: I just want to pick up one thing with you that Christian said to us earlier in the pre show. He talked quite openly about Renault again. Seems to be the first time that he's actually opened that door again. Did you think?
0: Did you think that was a little
2: bit of crawling, maybe perhaps making amends for some of the things that were said either by him or, or the team? I think they were far too open. Uh, I think when you have a partner and you have been through such great success like that partnership has, yeah. uh, those comments should be kept be- to themselves. And uh, I think that maybe Christian is now regretting some of the things he said because he's crawling back a little bit. I think that is their best option now. I think it is their best option. Is it their only option? If well, it could be. Um,
0: We don't want to see them. You know, Bernie's made that clear, and I think the whole paddock is united. Mm. We need to see Red Bull here, but with what engine? That's the key question.
1: I think Eddie is exactly right. He called it. He called it just like he saw it.
0: Well, because the BBC has such fantastic access. To Red Bull and Christian Horner, they then went at the start of the qualifying session to Christian Horner, who was sitting on the pit wall and
2: had this to say. I'd talking out his ass as usual, I would say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, to, to be fair to Christian Horner, at the end of the session, they once again caught up with him. And the first thing Christian did was apologize. Oh, good. But but yeah, <laughs> he he got beat up pretty hard over this past week over w- the entire engine situation and what's going on and what's not going on and I I agree with Eddie that this has been handling We mentioned this two weeks ago. This is was handled really really poorly. I get being upset with the suppliers. I get being upset with the performance, and I agree. Renault's utter lack of performance and, and utter lack of progress and apparently desire to not use any tokens whatsoever this season is unfathomable.
1: Yeah, that's what I don't understand.
0: And they've got a right to be pissed off about that. But airing the dirty laundry in the media like this...
1: It's not good. It's c- you not know, good business.
0: C- compare that to what's going on over at McLaren. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, this is a team that has a much more storied history than anything that Red Bull has. And Honda also, with a huge history as storied as anything that Renault brought to the the series. And we don't hear these kind of comments coming out of McLaren.
1: And not McLaren itself. We might hear Alonso go off. True, but
0: the, the drivers are expressing their frustration. And, you know, Alonzo came out after um, Suzuka, the, the week after that, we didn't even talk about it, that when, when he was pushed further over those comments and, and him making that out there, that he believes that the radio messages shouldn't be broadcasted, that that should be private between the teams. And honestly, I call bull on that. I think Fernando knew exactly what he was doing. He is not a junior driver who hasn't figured this out. He knew those comments were going to get broadcast, and that's why he made them.
1: Yeah, but it's a different story when your driver is frustrated and makes a comment than when the team boss stands there and says, we are leaving, we, yeah. can't, we are having a divorce. This,
0: this is ridiculous, we're out of here, and the team principal saying that kind of stuff, and all of these negotiations should be handled completely and totally in private and not in the press so yes we've got to wrap this up with some bernie stuff
1: oh how is my bad-haired friend
0: first off bernie came out in, in the week leading up to the race and came out and said that it is entirely possible and probable that the series will be sold by the end of the year. Well, it's been on the market for a while. It, it, it has not it hasn't. We know there are groups who have prepared, who have tendered offers for the series. We haven't heard anything official from um, FOM and the group that owns FOM that they were actually accepting offers. Mm-hmm. It sounds like these are now in an advanced state. And Bernie has also come out and said that all of them have, have also put forth contracts to keep, to retain his services. Oh. So there's that. However, also in the lead up to the race, Eddie Jordan again with the incredible level of access that he has. And whether he believes it or not, Bernie really likes him. Yeah, and respects him a lot, and Bernie will talk to him when he will talk to nobody else, and apparently also barge his way through the middle of the live BBC broadcast and just push his way through. Well, you know, <laughs> the shall part for Bernie. <laughs> um, but Bernie sat down with Eddie and had some some interesting comments. Uh, first, Eddie asked him about the length of the season. Bernie, twenty one races. Yep, long season. We'll never be home.
2: We have to race where people can afford to pay. Because somebody has to pay the bills. We're paying the teams very, very close to a million this year. A billion, Bernie. A billion, sorry, apologies. Just
0: a matter of a naught here and there. Yeah,
2: it doesn't really make a lot of difference when you think of it. It's a discount I give all you, you know that. (laughs) Well, I know all about your discounts.
0: You know, it's one of those moments where... You're sitting there and you're going, "Wow, Bernie's having a lucid moment," and then he messes up million and billion.
1: I know, and and,
0: and, and it, only Bernie would go. Nah, it doesn't really matter. It's it's all the same.
1: Yeah, because a a million and a billion are almost the same in his world.
0: But you know, I kind of agree with that concept there. Of you know, if venues are willing to host us and they're willing us, willing to meet the terms of the contract. Why not have as many races as the demand is out there for? I get that, and I, and I don't argue with that at all. It's expensive for the teams, though. But even, again, let, let's go back to the teams had to make the the call to go over 20 races. Mm-hmm. And they did that, and that was a unanimous dis- – well, I don't want to say – I shouldn't say unanimous because not all the teams are involved in the strategy group. The the teams in the strategy group unanimously signed off on that. And they signed off on it because the more races there are, the more money they get.
1: Well, yes. (coughs) I I worry about what that does to the smaller teams.
0: Yeah. And all the teams I think are going to have some issues surrounding that. Um, it, It, causes some problems in terms of maintaining the cars and prepping the cars and all of the various bits and pieces that happen behind the scenes get compressed yes so there's that the other thing that was discussed was the show and the series and the product that formula one is putting out Mm -hmm. so let's hear that patrick allen the md of silverstone i've called to question the show
2: the teams and the engines are monopolizing everything and it's not about the drivers and the competition. No, we're not putting on the show we should put on. If the two Mercedes guys were racing each other like it used to be with McLaren, if you like, with cost and Senna, it would be good. But the trouble is they're not. So this is why we're going down the field a little bit with the television, where there is some racing going on. What we've always said, and I'm sure you agree with it, when the lights go out the driver should be in control of the race until the flag comes that's down. That's what should school.
0: happen, but that's not what's happening. It
2: isn't what happens. When somebody's sitting, not even on the pit wall, back at the factory even, looking and giving instructions. It just isn't the way to go. A-
0: again, one of his lucid moments.
1: Very lucid. He,
0: he makes some good points, but I think some of this is where he actually does need to step up. And he needs to actually define what Formula One is supposed to be. Is Formula One supposed to be set up and designed and intended to be these head-to-head battles between drivers? Or is it supposed to be the pinnacle of auto sport and technology?
1: And I think that part of what we have to deal with is whether or not those two things are mutually exclusive. Like, for example, we talk about the show in terms of, you know, everybody loves passing, mm-hmm. but they don't like it when it's manufactured passing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, everybody enjoys pit stops. We should have more pit stops. But we don't like passing over pit stops. You know, it, it becomes this this thing of you like this but you don't like that but they go hand in hand it's all a teeter-totter you increase one you're going to get an increase in the other
0: well the thing that you've also got to ask and you've got to wonder is we know that formula one as a series is a series of the haves and, and have mores and, yeah and, and have mores it, it's a good way to describe it and that has a direct impact on on the competition and it has a direct impact on what is being put forth on the track every weekend. Correct. So based on that this again ties us back into the whole EU potential investor complaint that was filed with the EU over financial distribution. Right. If Formula 1 rethought the financial distribution to something that actually made sense and stop giving a team that came in fifth more money than the team that comes in first, maybe there would be the potential for increased development, increased, um, well, better operations, All of all of the things that make these cars perform better and give you then better racing on the track.
1: Well, there's that. I mean, if you created a situation where the teams could actually compete with each other, Mm -hmm. wouldn't you expect the competition to then go on the track? That
0: would be the thought.
1: But I have another thought about Bernie's statement. Okay. He mentioned that the Mercedes boys weren't racing with each other and that they had to go further back in the field. And you know that, again, tells you that some of the show is manufactured, and we all know that. But he mentions if they were racing like Senna and Prost
0: were. Yeah.
1: We talk of these great rivalries. Mm -hmm. Senna, Prost, Hunt, Lauda. How many more single groups of of pairs of drivers Mm -hmm. that fought each other? You know, we, we had seasons where two guys were fighting head to head. Yeah. But long-term rivalries that the two of them were oil and water. Senna Prost, Hunt Lauda, name me another pair.
0: Possibly um, um, Michael Schumacher and what's-his-face who's over at Sky now. Um, Hunt. Or Hill. Hill. Damon, Damon Hill. Hill. Okay. Schumacher Hill was, was another one that, at least for two seasons, there were some very tight battles with.
1: So, okay, even if we use the two-season mark,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we're not Formula One historians, so mm-hmm. somebody prove me wrong. We've been able to name three.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Formula One is 50 years old.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Those three didn't last five decades. Yeah, He's looking but, for but something that happens once every so often. Yeah. You're, you're asking for a story that doesn't happen all the time. That's what makes them so unique. Yeah.
0: He, he's throwing that out as an example, though. I mean, his argument is the same as, as we've heard from others, is that it can be processional. And it can. And last year, Russia most definitely was. Mm -hmm. Japan this past year at a classic track was pretty dang close.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, Japan was a bit of a snooze fest. But what I'm trying to say is you want to claim that Rosberg and Hamilton aren't fighting each other enough, but you're, you're missing that Hamilton's fighting with Vettel. You're missing some of the other things that are going on. And you're trying to hold up this standard that's impossible to predict and not typical. And I think that we keep looking for the next Senna Prost. We keep looking for this next Hunt Lauda. We keep looking for the next rivalry and we miss the game that's going on today.
0: Well, you know, again, go back to... It's not so much about the rivalry. It's about the story. It's the story. And, and that's why I'm going to take us all the way around into the full circle. And I'm going to say, go over to our Facebook page if you haven't yet. And go check out the video that opened up this week's Russian Grand Prix. Because the truth is, that is all about what the stories have been this year. Mm-hmm. Truly. Yeah. It is the story so last one last one okay now for starters i've i've gotta throw out the disclaimer of what the source is for this story
1: is it sniff petrol
0: no it is not this is slightly more credible
1: (laughs) slightly it's the mirror
0: no it's actually uh russian state-run media outlet russia today
1: excellent okay
0: which did an interview with bernie okay okay and, and you can if you go to rt's website you can see they, they actually did speak to him but being that it is russia today and that they've been known to bend words and twist words some of this could be bernie talking some of it might not be bernie talking okay just gonna throw that out there because of who it is. He's come out on um, Russia today. For starters, he railed against democracy while also urging for an overhaul of Formula One's rules. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, so far we, we, we seem okay. Um, you know, he, he says right off the bat that you know they need to tear up the rule book, start all over. Um, he says they're in show business, and the minute they stop entertaining, we're in trouble. We're still saying.
2: <laughs>
0: We're good. Okay. When he was asked about past comments that F1's rulemaking process had become too democratic, he answered, I don't think there's any place for democracy. Full stop anywhere.
1: Interesting.
0: Um, he read. He then came out and said that um, – actually, I'm sorry. Before we even get to that, he claimed that Formula One is only superficially democratic. He says, it appears to be a democracy, perhaps. I think if you can get people to more or less fall in line with what you're trying to do and support you, then it seems like democracy, which which is exactly what democracy should be seeming like. <laughs> he then went on to praise Vladimir Putin, saying that I'm his best supporter. Again, this is why I've got to call out that it came from Russia today. So who knows? Mm-hmm. But he... he supposedly told Russia Today that he is Vladimir Putin's best supporter. He even came out and threw his backing behind um, disgraced FIFA president Sepp Blatter, who has been charged with corruption, coming forth to say, I don't think he should ever have stepped down, and I don't think he should have ever been challenged because it's because of him we have a lot of countries around the world that are now playing football. And if these people allegedly have been corrupted to make things happen in their country, it's good. It's a tax football had to pay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He then went on, because it gets better.
1: <sighs>
0: and again, I need to throw out Russia okay. Today. Yeah. Um. He said that F1... Odd, off ought to try and beef up a little bit in America, but admit it, it's hard for me. I'm not very enthusiastic about, about America. The biggest problem with them is that they believe they're the greatest sort of power in the world. It's difficult because they are a big island, so they are a bit isolated. They are slowly starting to learn what other people in the world do. I hate Russia to t- today.
1: No, but I hate <laughs> to tell you, I think he's right.
0: He is, but you know, in response to that, because we are coming from America, i got to say, Merka, if you. Ya- um
1: but he's right i mean as far as understanding world politics we suck yeah i mean let's be realistic about it how we fit into the rest of the world we're not very good at especially as population but okay the problem here is yes russia today uh but also what. What is Bernie talking about sometimes?
0: <laughs> well, of, of course he, right he's not going to have a problem with corruption in order to get a sport in place. How long did he go through that trial for bribing somebody that he didn't really think was a bribe?
1: Well, yeah, because he just paid him to do what he wanted. It's yeah. not
0: really a bribe. Um, and he took the money, so it was cool, right?
1: Yeah. It's all okay. It's all fine. Um, but the other <laughs> problem is Bernie runs F1, it's not a democracy. He's right. It can appear like... it's more more of a
0: democracy now than it was a few years ago, before the strategy group and and the the last version of the Concord Agreement. It used to be, and there was a lot of talk over the fact that it was him and and John Todd, and between the two of them, it was this benevolent democracy of, all right, we'll let you do what you want until we've had enough, and then shut up and do it my way. It
1: was a benevolent dictatorship. That's it. Um <clears throat> hey, get the civics right, you know <laughs> yeah, I, I should at least do that. um, but the thing is, all he did all they did with the new Concord agreement and the strategy group was make it appear like more people had a say, but he made sure if you control the people that are part of your rulemaking body, yeah, then you're not really talking about a democracy. Because you've got people that – the dissenting votes, the ones that would probably have the most issue with some of the stuff, are not part of the rulemaking body. They're not not allowed in the room. They're not allowed in the room.
0: Which, by the way, speaking of getting in the room, with uh, Force India ending up with third, that puts them well in fifth place. And by being in fifth place – it helps to assure them a seat at the table of the strategy group next year. So oh. As long as they can hold on to that, that is, I mean, that's not just money. That's a that's influence. And that's so exactly that
1: what DJ and Bob want. Yes. So.
0: So on that note, we have run long. Not not too long. You know, we, we kept pushing. We were doing awesome. Thank you again to, to Carlos's engineer for that. Yeah. yeah. He had, he had we put the on. hammer down. Yes.
1: Do you know, I'm getting tired of our own child every time we get in the car going, are we going into strap mode three, put the hammer down? <laughs> not today, we're just getting groceries. <laughs> not today.
0: So anyway, as a reminder, you know, if you have not heard enough, check us out over on Facebook. We've got some videos you should go go uh, take a look at. Both the cold open and Mercedes celebratory two. two.
1: this so is just actually kind of cool. I liked them more to come at the bottom.
0: Yeah. Well, theoretically, there may be. But then again, you know, Ferrari could keep them on their toes next year.
1: Well, and I think that would be really cool. I mean, yeah. that was the other thing I had read was that both uh, Niki Lauda and Toto Wolff had come out and said it would be great if the other teams, other engines were performing and they could fight with them because it's best yeah. to beat the
0: best. And Patrick Allen says they're only halfway there over at Ferrari. So, uh, but yeah, go check us out over at, at uh, on Facebook. Leave us a review over on iTunes. Remember, you can subscribe to us not just in iTunes but also on Stitcher.
1: On Stitcher, not on Spotify. S- yes, on
0: Stitcher. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, tell us what you thought of the race either on Facebook or leave a comment uh, over at theblokeandabird.com. But uh, until next week and the us grand prix in austin texas call it a show